Yo, what's up guys? Welcome back. What's happening? This is the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR94. Today we're talking about the New Orleans Saints. This is a team that I think I am higher on than most of the market right now, at least in terms of the general public and how they're feeling coming into the season. I feel like the Saints are being slept on a little bit. You know, this team... Honestly, you know, decent start to the season last year before they had a uh, major um, issue with injuries. Um, obviously, Jameis Winston only playing seven games for this team last year, but they were five and two, you know, before Jameis going down with the injury, the ACL and MCL last year. So this is a team that I think if they stay healthy, they can bounce back and surprise some people. Obviously, big transitional year here. Uh, new head coach with Dennis Allen, the former defensive coordinator, taking over. It's the official end of the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. I know Brees wasn't here last year, but with Peyton gone now, it's it's officially, you know, kind of a fresh start for this team. And I think that is part of the reason that they're being questioned, again, by most of the general public this offseason. But a lot of people, I think, in the uh, sports gambling industry looking at this team with a little more optimism. So let's talk about why. I mentioned, you know, Jameis only playing seven games last year, Kamara only playing 13. This team still managed to go 9-8 and eight last season. They finished second in their division. They almost uh, made the playoffs. They were the odd man out in the NFC, finishing eighth overall in the conference, missing out on that final wild card, thanks to a tiebreaker that the Eagles owned due to a uh, head-to-head regular season win earlier in the year. This team also covered at a 9-8 and eight record. Their offense finished 19th in points per game last year, 21.4. And that's surprising, honestly, considering they finished bottom five in yards per game, 304.5, 28th best in the league. And they, again, injuries at the quarterback position and all over the offensive line. They won eight games last year with a combined uh, four starting quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, uh, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, and Ian Book. Taysom Hill currently on the roster as a tight end. So rough sledding for this team. They still pieced it together. They scrapped their way to nine wins. Was it coaching or was it the overall talent on the roster? Uh, The defense is very good personnel-wise and as far as how they performed last year. That's part of the reason they were able to get to those nine wins. Fourth in points per game last year, 19.7. And seventh in yards per game, 318.2. Very good ball hawking defense as well. Secondary has got a lot of guys that like to get their hands on the ball. This team finished tied for the eighth best turnover margin last year at a plus seven margin. I mentioned the overturn at the coaching position. Sean Payton's gone. Dennis Allen has been the defensive coordinator for this team from 2015 to 2021. Um, Actually became the DC in 2016 after a year initially as a defensive assistant. Uh, you guys probably remember him from his time as a head coach as the uh, with the Oakland Raiders from 2012 to 2014. That was a super dysfunctional organization at the time. I believe those were the Demarcus Russell days, if I'm not misremembering that timeline. Maybe Jason Campbell snuck in there as well. But uh, it just didn't go his way. I, for years, you know, held that against Dennis Allen and labeled him as a shitty football coach and then he went and put together half a decade of like really good production on that Saints defense so he's getting a second shot here at being a head coach in the NFL we'll see how it plays out um initially when I heard this uh in the offseason here as far as Sean Payton leaving and 
and making Dennis Allen the replacement. I wasn't optimistic. Specifically, I was nervous about what the offensive side of the ball was going to look like. And then I looked into it a little bit more. The offensive coordinator for this team is Pete Carmichael, and he is returning for his 14th season as the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. He was there the entire time that Sean Payton was there. So it's not going to change a whole lot. The intangibles of having Sean Payton on the sideline and in that locker room, I think will be um, a thing, you know, this year. I think that that's a major loss that, you know, just keeping the same offensive coordinator and same system can't necessarily make up for all that. But I'm less concerned about the turnover considering they're not really going to have to implement a totally new offensive system. And this guy's been there for a decade and a half already. So that's a good sign. Uh, I mentioned that the former defensive coordinator got promoted to head coach. So uh, he's got two co-defensive coordinators underneath him. Uh, really, usually how that's split up is one will be in charge of the run defense, one will be in charge of the secondary. So um, they've got co-defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, who's been with the Saints since t- 2017. Um, and he, I believe, is going to be up uh, in that f- that run defense position. And then they've got uh, Chris Richard, who I think is uh, more of a defensive backs uh, background there in the secondary. So enough about that. You know, that's the big kind of transition here with the coaching staff we touched on. Let's talk personnel. Let's talk free agency, and we'll roll into the draft. This is a team that on paper I think is built pretty well. Again, I mentioned there are some concerns by the general public, some question marks, I suppose, as far as this team not really being the most consistent um I guess really just last year, because with Drew Brees, they were winning 13 games a year. But it's just been a long time since we've seen this team do that, I guess, in terms of, you know, what have you done for me lately? And again, I think that's baked into the concerns here. But, you know, 5-2 and two last year with Jameis as the starter. Jameis was playing pretty clean football, not nearly as turnover heavy in those games as we've seen during his time in Tampa Bay, I think sitting for a year behind Drew Brees and getting the coaching of Sean Payton really um, may have helped Jameis kind of, you know, get a second chance here and salvage his career. Again, off to a great start before the ACL-MCL tear in Week 7. 14 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, and 7 starts, and a 5-2 and two record. So I think Jameis can get it done for this team, and he's not necessarily an injury-prone player. Just things happen. So... I'm not really worried about it. It sounds like he's healthy. He's good to go in training camp, fully active. Um, So, again, I'm leaning more optimistic for this team. Um, Personnel, who'd they lose? Uh, Biggest loss, offensive tackle, uh, Teron Armstead signed with the Dolphins. Uh, This was a team that had arguably a top five, top three um, offensive line over the last couple of years. That's a big loss, a left tackle. It's looking like um, James Hurst is the starting left tackle on the depth chart right now, but they drafted Trevor Penning in the first round, and technically second on the depth chart right now, I, I would assume he's starting this season. So if you put together the starting offensive line of Trevor Penning, first-round pick this year, Andrews Pete, 
Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchek. I mean, that's a that's still a very good O-line. I'd put that as a top 10 unit. Warren Sharp has them ranked 18th this year from Sharp Football. I view this offensive line being better than that, personally. Um, who else did they lose this offseason? Safety Marcus Williams went and signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Although, we'll talk about in additions, they brought in a couple safeties that I'm a big fan of. Uh, quarterback Trevor Simeon no longer on this team. He started a handful of games last year, was pretty much their best backup. Um, but they brought in Andy Dalton this offseason to take that backup QB role. Uh, running back Ty Montgomery went over to the Patriots to compete for a pass-catching third-down role. Uh, defensive tackle Jalen Holmes, uh, tight end Garrett Griffin, and wide receiver Lil Jordan Humphrey also no longer on this roster after being with the team last year. All right, my bad, guys. I had to pause in the middle of recording. Um, as I was just saying, this team has a ton of talent in the secondary. Uh, they have four safeties that are all legitimate starting level defensive backs in the NFL. Um, already on this roster from last year was uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, also known as Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and P.J. Williams, um, two you know, very good players in their own right. And uh, they also added uh, veteran uh, Tyron Matthew to that safety group, as well as G former Jet Marcus May. Um, so that that is by far the best safety room in the NFL. Again, four legit guys. You also have Marshawn Lattimore and a third-round rookie, Paulson Adebo, um, starting at the outside corner positions uh, for this team. Um, so, excuse me, second-year player Adebo. Anyways, uh, yeah, the safeties they bring in, they also bring in wide receiver Jarvis Landry this offseason. Um, Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, both former LSU alumni, so it's interesting. They're getting a hometown discount for the most part on both those guys, especially Jarvis on a really cheap deal um, because I think they wanted to come you know, back home to Louisiana and play for the Saints. I think it makes sense. Um, you know, being wanting to be back and maybe potentially end their careers down there. Um, Matthew was a guy who, you know, I was really hopeful that the Eagles would grab. There was a number of teams linked to him, and it took him longer to be signed this offseason than I thought. Um, I think, you know, he, he wanted to go to New Orleans, so that's why he was kind of fighting off offers from other guys. Again, Jarvis Landry comes back here, should be the slot receiver for this team. And if, uh, if Michael Thomas can, can get back to his old ways and stay healthy, even be like 75% of what he used to be, um, pretty good wide receiver trio here with Jarvis, Michael Thomas, and the rookie Olave we'll talk about later. Um, in free agency, I mentioned uh, the backup QB is now Andy Dalton. Uh, they also brought in um, some depth on that defensive side of the ball. Strong safety Daniel Sorison got significant playing time with the Kansas City Chiefs over the last few years. Uh, that's a really good depth piece, special teams contributor, kind of that hybrid uh, safety linebacker, and he's currently their fourth uh, strong safety on the depth chart. So, <clears throat> again, you see how deep this secondary is. Uh, they also brought in defensive end Contavious Street, outside linebacker Eric Wilson, and defensive tackle Jaleel Johnson. A couple re-signings this offseason. I mentioned P.J. Williams. Uh, he was on the uh, roster as a corner last year, now in that free safety position on the depth chart. Um, he got re-signed this offseason along with wide receiver um, Trey Quan Smith. Sorry, I forgot to write down his first name. And he's so um, 
forgettable that, uh, yeah, uh, T. Smith. Um, and then QB Jameis Winston also re-signed with this team. Um, Jameis kind of on a prove-it uh, year here with the Saints. Um, they have an opt-out after this season where they can cut him for an $11 million cap hit, or they can keep him on the books for 2023 um and then yeah he is under contract with a three voidable years after that so he'll most likely get a new deal uh as that's for some pretty low money um yeah Dwayne uh, Washington the running back and offensive guard Forrest Lamp also got re-signed to this team and I think you can you know what we just looked at here in terms of really spending some significant cash with the safeties Jarvis Landry um some pretty notable names there. And I just want to mention, you know, this was a Saints team that was about $72 million um, over the cap coming into free agency. And, you know, a lot of teams, I've mentioned it on other team previews, some teams are just better than others right now at doing that whole salary cap gymnastics thing, you know, manipulating money, cash over cap situations where you can convert these contracts into signing bonuses and incentives and, you know, essentially take it right out of the owner's pocket instead of counting it against the cap. The Saints are maybe the best in the NFL with that, as, uh, along with the uh, Super Bowl champ Rams. And so they managed to go from 72 mil in dead cap to being able to sign Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, and Jarvis Landry. So pretty crazy how that works out. Salary cap essentially a fake number here. But I think that the, the willingness to spend money in free agency and then what they did relative to the draft here shows me that this is a team that is uh, pretty much still in win now mode. You know, I mentioned thoughts of potentially a rebuild or a shift in culture here with the uh, the Breeze Payton era officially coming to a close. But everything that they did this offseason um, kind of signals that, that they want to uh, keep this opportunity to win open. I think they realize that this roster is still very good, regardless of the turnover at coach and quarterback. So to go along with that theory, um, how they prepared for the draft this year really is, is you know, one of the main supporters of that. Um, they made a, a pretty aggressive trade with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, to move up and secure a second first round pick in this draft. So that shows to me, you know, you're looking to get players that are going to contribute right away. They gave up some future assets in order to have uh, a current asset, which, again, you know, win-now mentality. So the trade was um, the the Saints got the Eagles uh, first, excuse me, they got two first-round picks from the Eagles, so 16 and 19 overall, and then a sixth-round pick in this past draft. What the Eagles got back was one of the Saints' first-round picks, 18 overall. So they essentially swapped first-round picks there. And the Eagles also got a third and a seventh in this past draft and a first next year and a second in 2024. So that's a lot there. Basically what happened was the Eagles traded a 2022 sixth round pick to New Orleans and they gave them, you know, a first round pick from 2023 a year earlier. And they got back a second, a third, and a seventh for that sixth-round pick just by pushing back one of their first-rounders to 2023. Um, this was an Eagles team that came into the 
draft with three first round picks. They moved one of them back a year with this trade to New Orleans to pick up an extra second and a third. And they also trade the other one to AJ Brown. So yeah, that's a big trade. Again, all that means that the Saints wanted an extra first round pick this year. Um, they used their two first round picks on two players that should have an impact right away. Uh, number 11 overall in the draft, they took wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. I'm really high on Olave. I think he has potential to be the most impactful uh, rookie wide receiver this year out of the entire draft class, and it's a pretty strong draft class. I just I really like his tape. He's a smooth route runner. He's a fast guy, high draft capital, good organization investing in him. I think there's potential, you know, Jar- Jarvis Landry's not the most explosive guy at this point in his career. He's kind of that slot, you know, possession receiver, chain mover underneath guy. That's kind of what he's always been. Uh, and Michael Thomas, I have my concerns on. Um, we can talk, you know, f- during the fantasy segment about it, but... Every day, there's you know medical concerns with him. He hasn't scored a regular season touchdown since like 2019, I want to say. And I think there's opportunity here for Alave at the end of the season to be the Saints' number one receiver as a rookie. I think he could you know be very good this year. And then Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, I mentioned I believe in the first segment here before I had to pause. Um, yeah, you know aggressive guy. He's been getting into fights in training camp. He likes to hit people. Uh, Northern Iowa is where he went to school. Um, he's a guy, like, literally, you ask him, why do you like football? He says, I get to physically assault someone, and nobody gets, nobody can put me in jail for it because it's legal on the football field. So, yeah, been, you know, punching people in training camp, real aggressive guy. We'll see if he can, you know, stay disciplined and not get in too many fights and get too many penalties when, uh, you know, different colored jerseys start coming at him. And then round two, cornerback Alante Taylor out of Tennessee. I liked him coming into the draft as a prospect. He's currently the um, second line of corners behind Marshawn Lattimore and Adebo. Uh, Bradley Roby most likely a leg up on that third corner position. And then Alante Taylor right there in the mix. And then just to round out the draft recap, couple more picks. Round five, linebacker DeMarco Johnson. Round six, defensive tackle Jordan Jackson. So, uh, strength of schedule, win totals, futures, all that good stuff. I like this team. I'm pretty optimistic. Like I've said here, uh, top five defense last year if they have a quarterback that stays healthy this season, which, you know, I'm willing to bet that Jameis can stay healthy again, not – Um, lingering injury problems throughout the career. Just some bad luck last year. Their win total is 8.5, and and actually the under is favored. I think this team can win 9. I mean, they won 9 games last year with all the dog shit luck and injury breaks that they had. Now, you upgrade the receiver position significantly. I mean, if you look at the receivers for this team last year, Um, Marquez Callaway was this team's leading receiver last year with 698 yards. They didn't have a guy that went for 700 yards for receiving. Alvin Kamara had the most receptions on the team with 47. So your starting running back had the most receptions on your team. He only played 13 games. The receiving core, again, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, who changed his name 
from Deontay Harris this offseason. Traquan Smith, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Juwan Johnson, Nick Vanette. These are the guys that were catching passes on this team. Now you add a first-round uh, high-caliber talent with Chris Olave. Any Michael Thomas production is better than what you got last year. And Jarvis Landry, solid veteran to that room. Um, so I think better offensive weapons. If Kamara and Jameis are healthy, you're good, and that defense is still very, very stacked. So eight and a half wins. I'm leaning towards the over. The over is plus 105. The under is minus 125. Let's run through the schedule, and let's see where we can find the nine wins here. They open with the Falcons. Then they got the Bucks, Panthers, Vikings. So three straight divisional games to start out. Um, I'm just going to – you can never, like, just assume a win, but realistically, they should be able to get at least four divisional wins They'll be better than the Falcons and Panthers. And this Saints team actually 4-0 in the regular season against the Buccaneers since Brady came over to Tampa. Uh, Brady did beat them once in the playoffs, um, but 4-1 and in two years against the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this Saints team clearly knows how to play Brady from the defensive side of the ball. They've had extremely good luck against the Bucs, so you can't even really call those games impossible to win either, despite the Bucks having, you know, higher projections for uh, wins and obviously higher odds to win the division. But anyways, again, from the top, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Seahawks, Bengals, Cardinals, Raiders, Ravens, Steelers, Rams, 49ers. Bucks again, Falcons again, Browns, Eagles, Panthers to wrap it up. So ninth ranked schedule, according to my rankings, it does look harder on paper. I'll give them that. To me, this schedule was a little bit harder than I first anticipated when I looked into it. Um, you know, the AFC North could be a tough division. They get the Browns with Deshaun Watson back, which might be. Uh, not the best timing, I guess. They get the 49ers at the end of the season, who I think could be hot with Trey Lance having, you know, a full 10 games under his belt. That's not that's not great, but realistically, I think the Cardinals take a step back this year. I think the Bengals regress a little bit. It's not like they were unbeatable last year, guys. They just got hot through January. Raiders could regress a little bit this year. The Steelers, questions at quarterback. Who knows what they look like? I'm not saying it's going to be the easiest, you know, road to nine wins. I'm not saying this team's going to start out nine and three and you're not going to have to worry about it. But I think they can find a way. I think there's a lot of games here that are 50-50 toss-ups, and I trust this Saints team, especially behind this strong defense. I'm telling you that defense is just loaded. Um I trust them to go over eight and a half. I like the nine wins for the Saints here. It's probably one of the few futures that I'll take at plus money. It's plus 105 right now. And to be honest, I, you know, I love betting spreads as underdogs. But as far as futures and usually, you know, player props, a lot of the time this is the case as well. You kind of usually want to lean towards the favorites and whatever's got the juice because it, it is a pretty strong indicator where the juice is leaning this point uh, or this time of the year. Um, that said, you know, I'll lean with the underdog here. I'll lean over eight and a half wins plus 105. Their odds to win the division are plus 400, conference is plus 1700, and Super Bowl is a 40 to 1. And 
man, 40 to one to win the Super Bowl. That actually kind of grabbed my attention. Not that I think this team's going to win the Super Bowl, but I really like to take these long shot teams that are being disrespected, you know, at this point in the season and see if I can get some increased value, maybe hedge my way out during the playoffs or maybe even sell it on a, uh, on a ticket auction site, like prop swap. I mean, if you take this team at 40 to one and they go and win nine or 10 games and sneak into the playoffs, I mean, you're looking at, you know, your value cut in half right there. And there's just so many opportunities to do whatever you want to do at that point. I might, I might consider a 40 to one on that Super Bowl because as far as a team with that low of odds, I think this team can make the playoffs. Their odds to make the playoffs have moved from plus 130 to plus 118 over the last month. So although the odds for their win total moving in the wrong direction, going from plus 100 even money to plus 105 over the last 30 days, uh, their odds to make the playoffs, they're getting love on yes, making the playoffs. So that helps my confidence with this team as well. You know, I'm going to back this team. I think I'm going to have an over eight and a half win total. I haven't locked in all my futures yet. I've locked in a few so far, still waiting these last two weeks or so before kickoff. But I believe in this team. I And I again, I think that the move to trade a future uh, second and third round pick just to move up into the first round this year shows that they're trying to win this year. This is not a team that's be going to be accepting of a rebuild situation here. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. I like some of these futures. I don't think they win the division without Brady getting injured. But that's really all it takes to me. Like, if, if Brady's not on the Bucks, the Saints probably the best team. Uh, you know, I don't know if Blaine Gabbert has what it takes to really carry the Bucks. So... If you're feeling risky, plus 400 for the division, not a bad bet, I suppose. Let's talk fantasy. Let's talk about the offensive weapons here for the Saints. We got some honorable mentions. We'll get out of the way. The backup quarterback is Andy Dalton. Running back Tony Jones Jr. is on the depth chart here as the third guy behind Kamara and Mark Ingram. And then a handful of receivers who will not be drafted in fantasy. They were on the depth chart last year. They're around. They might make a play from time to time. And that is Traquan Smith, Deontay Hardy, and Marquez Calloway, last year's leading receiver. There's also Taysom Hill, you know, still lurking around somewhere here. He's on the roster as the second tight end currently behind Adam Troutman. He'll probably still get some weird gadget plays, I would assume, in the red zone, inside the you know the 10 zone, the, the five-yard line. Some goal line attempts on that read option would make a lot of sense to me. But other than that, I don't really know how they're going to use Taysom. Last year, he devoted all of his time to quarterback um, reps and drills. And now he's back to being not just a gadget player, but actually a full-time non-quarterback. He's going to be playing special teams and tight end and doing some weird shit for this team. So we're not really targeting him for fantasy, and, and he's not the second-string QB for this team. If Winston goes down, it's Andy Dalton. It's not Taysom Hill. He's not a QB on the depth chart. So Jameis um, got off to a pretty strong start last year, 14 picks, three interceptions. Um, I just... I'm not sure he's really a guy that I'm targeting for fantasy this year. He is kind of a boomer bust guy. We'll get into the numbers. But I think one of those 
stat lines was on a, a it was a five touchdown pass game, but he only threw for like 160 yards or something like that. Some outlier game. Uh, Jameis Winston going 161 off the board, QB 21 this year, was going QB 22 last year, uh, finished QB 33 in just seven games played, finished 14th in points per game. Again, that was on the back of an extreme outlier. I think he finished the QB one on the week because he had five passing touchdowns, but he only had like 160 passing yards again. Um, he's got the 13th easiest schedule for fantasy QBs this year. Last year, he finished top six, 28.6% of his starts, 11th most consistent top six QB. But he also only finished, he, he, he that was as much as he finished top 12 because he never finished on the back end of the QB1, uh, QB7 through 12. So that put him in the top 12 as a total of 25th most consistent. So that's where it drops off. Again, he's either getting you that elite week winning top six production or he's basically falling outside of the QB1 spectrum. He only finished a QB2 13. Uh, excuse me, 14.3% of the time. So um, busted outside of the top 24 quarterbacks, 57.1% of his games. Now he only played seven games, so that's four of them. Uh, but still, it, it goes to show you, you know, two top six finishes and outside of that, um, the rest of his games not really doing much for you. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not going to draft Jameis. He's not really going to give you the rushing upside. And I don't think he's going to be the highest volume passing QB. He's not going to be throwing the ball 45 times a game like he was in Tampa. Uh, the strength of this team still, I think is the running game and the defense. Um, this offensive line projects to be a better run blocking unit than a pass blocking unit based on Trevor Penning's, you know, aggressive play style. I think Andrews Pete, not that great in the pass blocking game compared to his run blocking ability. So yeah, I think Kamara is going to have to be the focal point here yet again. Kamara maybe being disrespected a little bit to me in terms of average draft position right now. Maybe he shoots up the rankings a little bit as we go into the final few weeks of draft season here. But he's currently being drafted 17 overall running back 10 after being the fourth overall pick last year. Uh, he finished last year running back eight in just 13 games played, running back six in points per game. Um, so he played great last year. He still led this team in receptions despite being on pace for the lowest reception total of his career. And he just didn't really get the touchdowns last year. Um, on top of that, only four touchdowns last year in the running game. And then four in the... Pat, nope, nope, nope. Sorry, guys. Five in the passing game. So nine touchdowns. I guess that's not terrible, but um, the goal line work was not. I mean, Taysom Hill had more rushing touchdowns than Kamara, so that's annoying. I also don't think it's something that happens this year with Taysom probably not being on the field as much. Um, but Kamara, I mean, I think the reason for the dip in ADP this year is because of the whole. Um, he had an incident after the Pro Bowl out in Las Vegas altercation that could potentially lead to a suspension here um, with uh, police activity. I think it was a domestic abuse type situation or a possible assault type situation. I don't know exactly. Should have looked up the details. I cannot remember currently. It, it's either that or a DUI, but I don't think it was a DUI. I think alcohol did have something to do with it being out in Vegas there for the Pro Bowl. But I guess late latest news on that is that... Uh, he is maybe not going to see a suspension. I, I honestly don't know right now. I wish I could give you more concrete advice, but 
I don't think he's going to be seeing a suspension based on what I'm hearing most recently, or at least for this season. It could be delayed until next season. So I think that could um, people could start drafting him a little bit higher here. Uh, he's got the 16th easiest schedule for fantasy middle of the pack. Last year, he gave you a top 12 week at the fourth best rate. 61.5% of his 13 games, he was inside the top 12 at the running back group uh, or position. Uh, he finished RB2 in one of his games, um, but that put him in the top 24 at 69.5% of his games, 10th most consistent top 24 running back, 4th most consistent top 12 running back. And again, I think you know he's going to be the focal point here of this offense. There's not really any guys there that are, are going to um, steal carries. Mark Ingram, Dwayne Washington, and Tony Jones Jr. are the guys on the depth chart here. Mark Ingram... I'm not worried about him. He's just there for depth. He clearly has lost a step. He's not the same player he used to be here. Um, he's going 158 overall in your drafts, running back 56. Uh, he finished running back 50 last year in 14 games, 68th in points per game, coming off that Houston Texans roster. He had a couple of decent weeks here for the Saints down the stretch um, last year, but I just I, I wouldn't be drafting him unless I, I'd pick him up maybe if Kamara go, goes down with injury, but even if uh, if Camara goes down, I still see Ingram maybe being the first and second down, maybe goal line back, and then they still use a guy like Dwayne Washington or Tony Jones in a rotation. So not really much I'm doing with Ingram. He did give you one top 12 week last year. He gave you two inside the RB2 range, so three games total inside the top 24 last year, and he busted outside of the top 36 running backs in 72% of his games. The receiver conversation should go relatively quickly as well, to be honest, because half these guys didn't play last year, so there's not much metrics to go over. Chris Olave is my favorite uh, receiver to target in fantasy for this team. I think he will be the number one pass-catching weapon in this offense by the end of the season. They invested the number 11 overall pick in the draft for this guy. They traded up into the first round to get him because, really, this team was going to take an offensive tackle in the draft. They basically had to, losing uh, Teron Armstead. Olave, on the other hand, to me, is the extra pick. The one that they said, hey, our receivers sucked last year, and if we want to go for this, we need a guy to put our offense over the top. And to me, Olave is kind of that guy that they traded up for, in my opinion, just the way that I'm interpreting that first round from, a, a, I guess, a philosophical standpoint. To me, it was an aggressive move to go get a playmaker, and that's how I'm taking it. I think Olave is a stud, you know. I've mentioned Michael Thomas can't stay healthy, Jarvis Landry back end of his career, and just not that explosive of a guy, really. It's just not the kind of receiver he is. Olave could be the guy at the end of the season we're saying, I, you know, I honestly am considering a rookie of the year bet for Olave. Like, that's how high I am on him. I really like him in the Saints offense. And his he's the second favorite. I think um, right now Kenny Pickett plus 700, and then Olave and Drake London are tied at plus 800. Um, even though a couple receivers going ahead of Olave there. He was the third receiver taken in the draft, um, but he's got better odds than Garrett Wilson taking a pick ahead of him by the Jets. And again, I just think, you know, out of all the, all the receivers taken in the first round, he might, he might be in the best situation here, best offense as well. And even if Michael Thomas is on the field, he's going to draw attention, whether he's really doing a whole lot or not. He's a big physical presence. So... Olave is being drafted 97th overall at wide receiver 41. 
he's a rookie. We don't have any data on him, um, but he's my pick here. Uh, Michael Thomas is actually going a few rounds ahead of him here at 69 overall. Wide receiver 28. He was going wide receiver 28 last year as well. I just can't do it. I know people, you know, there's a huge, you know, reward if you can get the Michael Thomas of old in the seventh round of your fantasy drafts. I don't think we're ever going to see it again, guys. I'm not a doctor. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he's a guy I'm willing to be wrong about. I will let someone else take the risk in their fantasy drafts, and I'll sit back and take Olave three rounds later, who I project to have a better season than Michael Thomas. That's just my stance on it. Michael Thomas last year finished wide receiver 177 in seven games played. He scored 1.5 points per game for fantasy football. Uh, never gave you a week inside the top 36 receivers in his seven games last year. Again, seven games, um, 11 fantasy points for the season. Uh, the receivers have the 14th easiest strength of schedule for receiver or excuse, yeah, for receivers in the fantasy position this year. And Mike, excuse me, Jarvis Landry can't talk today, guys. 134 overall off the board, 56 overall at receiver. He'll finish better than the receiver 56, but it's also a guy I'm not really that excited. Like, what is the ceiling for Jarvis Landry this year? If, uh, you know, unless he's the number one pass catching option for this offense, like unless Olave doesn't develop right away, like I think he will. And, and you know, if Michael Thomas if he can't get it together, like I'm talking about injury-wise, like Jarvis could theoretically be the number one pass-catching weapon for this team. But if he's not, what really are you going to get in terms of upside? Because he doesn't really give big playability. It's just, it's not really something that excites me a whole lot. We'll see about the target share. Because again, if he's getting volume, like that's how Jarvis Landry's productive is from a PPR volume standpoint. So if he is getting target share and volume here, I'll pay attention to it. I just I'm thinking I'm I'm looking to target younger guys with more upside at that point in my draft. It feels like Jarvis is just a guy that will be kind of like often on your waiver wire all season. Like somebody'll pick him up for two weeks, he'll have like five catches for forty yards one week, and maybe he sneaks in for a touchdown and it's like, I don't know, do I keep this guy? Do I not I don't know. I don't I'm not in love with Jarvis this year. Uh last year he was going ninety eight overall wide receiver forty, so he's dropping quite a bit. Um, in terms of the expectations from Cleveland last year. Uh, finished wide receiver 52 in 12 games played, 44th in points per game. Jarvis Landry did not give you a top 12 week. He gave you three out of his top uh, three out of his 12 games. He finished as wide receiver two. So that was the 14th most consistent, but it was only three games. So small sample size. Uh, that put him in the top 24 again for three out of his 12 games. That was 47th best in consistency. So that's not great. He, again, no top 12 weeks last year doesn't give you that upside. I'm just not interested in having a wide receiver that at best is going to finish like 15 on the week for me a couple of times over the course of the season. He busted outside of the top 36, 59% of his games. Again, Olave, no consistency metrics. We can't really go over that, but that's my pick in that wide receiver room. And then the tight ends, you know, Adam Troutman's a guy that some people really like from a physical skill set standpoint. I guess he's a good run blocker. He's a big physical guy. He's a guy that's impressed at times. His college tape is very good. I think he was drafted in the second round by this team a few years ago. 
going into his third season, I believe. They moved up to get him. So this Saints team really wants Adam Troutman to take over at that starting tight end position. They traded away Dan Arnold recently to uh, make room for him. And his season last year, only 11 games played, and a lot of it battling with injury, not really getting full snap counts. Um, he's shown potential, but it's just I'm not willing to you know plan my fantasy drafts around Adam Troutman for my tight end. Uh, maybe a best ball guy, but he's he's not being drafted in standard leagues. 269 overall at fantasy ADP, tight end 31. Um, finished tight end 38 last year in 11 games, 32 at tight end points per game. Uh, 10th easiest schedule for fantasy tight ends this year. He gave you one top six finish last year, and outside of that didn't do much. Was a tight end 13 through 24 on the week, 30% of his games, and then busted outside of the top 24, 60% of his games. So basically, Kamara and Olave are who I want in this offense. Outside of that, not really interested in a whole lot else. I still think the strength of this team will be the defense. That is their identity. And uh, I think the defense will be good. You know, I, I mentioned it a number of times throughout this episode. And as we wrap up, I will just say this is a team that has talent and elite talent at every level of that defense. Cam Jordan, one of the best, most consistent veteran pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, Demario Davis, excellent leader and coverage linebacker in the middle there. And then that secondary is just fucking stacked. And they're the kind of uh, defense that really all those defensive backs, they're just kind of hybrid guys. Like C.J. Gardner-Johnson is listed as a strong safety, but he was technically a corner coming out of college. He's a guy that it blew my mind how far he slipped in the NFL draft. The Saints somehow got... Chauncey in the fucking fourth round of the draft when I was begging the Eagles to take him in the second just begging there were some some speculation he could go late first round like this is and he's played like that kind of a talent um so they're very deep in the secondary they're able to play a lot of different hybrid coverages and with DeMario Davis being really good in coverage as well this team, um, again, strength will be the defense. I'm optimistic that they can play clean football on the offensive side of the ball. I'm optimistic they can get nine uh, wins, maybe sneak into the playoffs. I actually have this team in a parlay right now. Um, I've got a six-leg parlay of six teams that all need to win 10 games or more. And I threw the Saints in there as my kind of biggest long shot. They're plus 170 to win 10 games this year. But if they can ride this defense and Jameis gives me what I need... I think it's possible, and uh, it's going to be the most difficult leg to hit on that parlay. But if it happens, I see the rest of them working out um, regardless or, you know, if I can avoid injuries. So I'm optimistic on this team. I hope you guys are too. If you're not, let me know. You know, if I'm an idiot, go ahead and tell me if you want. Instagram at SGRpod, Twitter at SGRpod. Um, but until then, I'm going to wrap this one up. We're going to come back at you with the Falcons next and the Panthers and the Browns, and we will be done with our team previews. Sorry about the technical difficulties in the middle of this episode, guys. Um, some unexpected shit came up, and we'll try to do better next time. But thank you for listening, and ramble on.